안녕하세요 여러분. I'm Porma and I'm piping in right before the podcast starts to welcome you guys to a new format that we are trying out. We'll still be doing the in-depth reviews. We are calling them drama deep dives now. But for this episode, we wanted to just catch up on our current watch lists. We never actually get to do this, so we are pretty excited about this format. Let us know how you feel about it, and if you want to skip. discussions on certain dramas and move on to others you'll find uh, the time stamp show notes in the description below and that's all i have to say for now i'll see you on the other end enjoy the podcast hi everyone this is parma and i'm here with my co-hosts who's saying hi next me <laughs> 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 yeah sorry i go Uh, hi, I'm Saya, and um, this is Anissa. I you've heard me before as Laika, but I'm gonna go by my real name on here now. So this is a new segment that we are doing. It's going to be once a month, and uh, the three of us are gonna catch up on everything that we've been watching in the last four weeks. So I have quite a long list, and um, I kind of want to start uh, with this one show. Just I'm not a robot. Saya's even recapped it. But Anissa hasn't watched it yet. She's going to watch it. I just desperately do not want to ruin it for her. Well, these are generally going to be spoiler-free anyway. These long yaks. So, for our listeners who also haven't watched it, no worries. Watch it. I want to talk about the female lead, um Chesubin. Yeah, my babies. Right, she is amazing. Uh the thing is that after we what did we watch her in uh, Sassy Girl. Yeah. Okay, so that's where she came onto my radar. But I also watched her in a short that she did. Um, it was yeah with Jung Dong Yoon, the right, yeah exactly. that one. She it was with this friend that she had in school, and uh, it was basically about friendship with a guy who has a crush on you, and it never actually develops into a romance. And I really like that. So although I haven't watched that one yet because I'm saving it, so please don't give too much away. No, this, this is. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I just got spoiled. <laughs> But to, to be to be uh, to be fair, um, that this is the premise of the story. Like that's if you look this the shot up anywhere, that's basically the story about you know these two be mm. friends staying friends. Like the happily ever after is that they stay friends. I was so, just trying to make myself forget what you said. <laughs> And then you go oh, and yeah. say it again. Shut up. <laughs> basically, I, I didn't. Beca- basically, um, you just watched Solon's Perjury as well, actually, didn't you? Um, after seeing Chesubin and Jang Dongyun, uh, who was in uh, Solomon's Perjury and also School 2017, um, I was just uh, like, that's sold. I don't need anything else. So I didn't even bother mm-hmm. looking it up. It's like I am already sold. You do not need to further sell this to me. <laughs> Well, I haven't seen um I'm not a robot but like and I haven't seen that short but I loved her in Sassy Go Go and also hated her and then she was also really cute in um Moonlight Drawn by Clouds. Oh yeah, but not she was like really underused. I think She was very underused. Yeah. yeah. She was That show was just lost sight of everything else after she was mm-hmm. second lead. But that show lost huh. sight of everything else because it uh was it was too in love with its own romance. So mm. she was a really good character. But it was like you know she faded but away. Yeah, but she's one of those actresses that like any time you see her, even if she's playing a villain, you just are drawn to her and you like her at some level at least. Yeah, she has that quality. 
I really like and her. like she's so. able to make a villain sympathetic so you can imagine right. as a heroine that she's even more compelling right and they've got oh great God, comedic yes. timing like uh you know the interesting thing uh maybe i don't know if we're going to save this for the deep dive but with um i know the sort of 99 percent draw for most people in robot was yusungo and mm. like People haven't really seen him. Oh, you, nobody's seen him do this kind of role. So everyone was like, "Oh, can he do comedy? Can he do romance?" Um, he can. Is the short oh, answer. I mean, I'm like one of the three people who watched Operation Proposal, so I kind of knew that he could be a rom-com lead, even though that kind of devolved into something else by the second half. That was not rom-com, and it was yeah. just bad. Because I, but he was very good in it. You know, He's good he at everything. Can pull off all of that. Yeah. He is. Yeah. I've also watched uh what was it called? Uh Remember Sun's War, which was a couple of years ago. Um and he had a love line with Pang Min Young in that. Um but it wasn't like you didn't really feel that. So I understood where people's misgivings came from, but I also felt like you know with young actors, especially the ones who've kind of grown up on screen, that they don't um because you've seen, because that you're kind of, it's a false, uh, it's a false, uh, what is it called, a perception of, you know, having witnessed their entire growing up, because of course you haven't. But I feel like there's mm. a point where their life experience allows them to do certain things which they might not have done convincingly before. I think between Remember Sun's War and this show, uh, I'm not a robot, he, he matured like emotionally himself to be able to do that role in the way that he did that I don't think he could have done a couple of years ago. Interesting. He also went to the army in the middle there, which was yeah, smart. But, uh, Just get that out of the way. Remember Sun's War was actually post-army. Uh, Imaginary That's Cat right. was his comeback project, which everybody oh, please go and so watch. Bad. I watched please one episode and, and I was like, what? No! <laughs> it's the <laughs> best thing ever! It's like... It's like... <sighs> Happiness I mean, it's like cat personified. Hip. No pun intended. But it's <laughs> yeah. not like a real drama. No, it's not a drama. It's just like it's happy cake. Mm -hmm. Like it, you, you just you watch it and you feel happy. The plot, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just mi minute to minute and moment to moment. It's just absolutely adorable. You sung ho nip. Yeah. You sung cat nip. For me, though, uh, the draw for I'm not a robot was definitely Chase uh, Um from after I watched her in Sassy Gogo, I was waiting for her to get a lead role. She had to get one. There was such magnetism about her that there was no way she was not getting a lead role pretty soon. So I'm happy that she did. I have not watched anything with uh, Yu Ho, but oh my How god, what? I am so going to. Really? Watch wow, everything. he's like a child actor. He's so famous. He's done so much stuff. I, I and didn't everybody she... knows about him. I know, but it's yeah. it's bizarre that I haven't watched anything with him in it. And, and now like I have to. Ultimate puppy. He's <laughs> oh the ultimate puppy. So cute. <laughs> I, I even wrote like my own little I was I was so into this. Like the the fandom sustained me as well. So ah. I even wrote my fantasy uh drama. Oh, wow. Uh my what was it called War of the Puppies? You can go and read it. <laughs> Honestly, drama. like, if I hadn't been doing my grad school application when this drama was coming out, I probably would have watched it week to week. But I was like, you are not going to watch any dramas. And I just stopped, because I knew I wouldn't be able to stop once I started. So I just put everything Sarah, on. You're very Sarah, restrained. Sarah, you're going to give me, Sarah, you're gonna give me <laughs> the link to that um, fan fiction, and I'm going to link it below, okay? Happily. 
Everyone yes. needs to needs to read this, want it, and then be desperately like unhappy that it's not real. Oh, <laughs> it's a bittersweet thing. Huh? Okay, so let's move on. I think to the yeah, we need to move on. Right? Yes. Oh, and just one thing. Um, I think wow. none of us watched it, but Chesubin had a lead role in Strongest, Strongest Delivery, Delivery Man. Man. Yep. that was yeah, her first did. lead role. I thought. Ah, uh, right, yeah, I was going to add that. I haven't this. watched it. Yeah. She was also in Rebel, where it wasn't a lead role, but she was the was it the love interest of uh, uh Tang's mm. character. It was one of those like sagas where there's no main characters that aren't right. men, but there's still a love interest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next one I want to deal with, uh, I don't know if Saya's watched it, but Anisa has. Is just between levels. Now I started it, and there was something really compelling about the tone, the mood, the way the, the drama has been shot. Um, but it it takes a certain kind of resilience to stick with the drama. And I want Anissa to tell me if I should actually stick with it. Yeah, so, and this is the only drama that I've been watching, pretty much. So I'm just, if you don't mind, I'll just talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I loved it. Like, I, from beginning to end, but it is, it's tough to watch because it deals with, um, I won't go into too much detail, but it's, there's like a tragedy that happens in the past, and then these two main characters meet again much later, who kind of survived that same incident. And it's about not just them, but like a lot of people kind of in their orbit who are dealing with the aftermath of this terrible thing that has affected them in different ways and kind of how they have either moved on from or not moved on, mostly not from that from that trauma. Like it's a very realistic depiction of PTSD. It's a really beautiful but also sad and realistic depiction of like grief and uh, loneliness. And it's just very the writing really. I was very impressed with the writing. The music was very ethereal and sad and gorgeous. And the main relationship was amazing. Like a, like a real relationship between like two people who have a fully realized connection, but also real issues and real problems that normal people would deal with in that situation. So I'm not going to like spoil anything, but it is definitely a heavy watch. It's definitely not a rom-com. Um, so I was telling you before, uh, Parma, like you have to be in the mood for it, I think. And I was definitely in the mood for it. Like I was in that headspace where I was like, should I watch I Need a Robot? Should I watch this? And I was like, I'm not. I think I'm going to go for something a little heavier and emotional, and um, it was perfect. So the payoff was good? Yeah. And I think I have, like, <laughs> I was saying on Twitter, like, I might write a 50-page thesis about this when I'm done. It's not going to be 50 pages, but I'm definitely going to write something, like, <laughs> full of spoilers and, like, with all of my feelings, because I have a lot of feelings about it. It's worth mentioning also that this show is written by one of the uh, writers of Secret as in the Jisung drama that we did a long podcast about uh, previously as well. So oh, really? That, oh, you didn't know that's this? That's interesting. No. Wow. Oh, I, <laughs> that's why I was excited for it. But it kind of, it was airing at the same time as I was working on I'm Not a Robot. Also, can I just quickly point out that, Anissa, you, <laughs> you did that thing that we're all doing. It's really funny. <laughs> I need a robot. <laughs> Did I say that? <laughs> I keep doing it as well. I don't know why. It's like I'm trying to say I'm not a robot and it comes out I need a robot. Well, don't we all? <laughs> I need. Uh, yeah. You sung ho, apparently. 
Or Chitterman, because she was the robot. <laughs> True, yes. Or I just need them together. Exactly. Forever. As non-robots, preferably. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely okay. on my watch list. Although I'm scared, you know? Um, like, uh, also, <clears throat> as I talked about in our secret podcast, I'm really big into revenge melodramas, like revenge mellows. So... This is a mellow not, without the revenge. Yeah, I'm not sure not what to do with that. No, and it's it's not it's interesting and inter- because like I mentioned on there, I'm not a huge fan of melodramas and I don't watch them very often, but this right. doesn't have that element of just wallowing in the sadness and the you know, and like there's some shows that are just are just so over the top and hysterical, but at the same time, it doesn't skip over it or gloss over it either like it's very real and it's very I I think it's hard to find that balance in a mellow where like you're dealing with a situation and you're trying to portray it as terrible as it would actually be without going to like histrionics and being melodramatic and everybody's shrieking at the top of their lungs and there's like crazy violin music at the end of every like it's not (laughs) like that no it's very it's it's designed in a very like low-key but intense way and I appreciated that so it's not a recipe uh, for pain. The two episodes it's... that I, uh, the two episodes that I watched of this, um, what I took away from that, primarily aside from you know the beautiful um, way it's been uh, filmed, is that there is no this thing that Korean drama often does that jars me a lot is that there is this sad thing happening. The setup is kind of melancholy and the story is really, you know, it, it's the, it's you're supposed to be sad at this moment and then the next moment there is a joke, like some kind of a slapstick mm. thing happening and it, it really jars me out of the moment and the actor goes from deeply moving to suddenly laughing and um, I get very confused. They didn't do that in this drama. It's a very, it's not... Um, it's not like the the tone is uh, homogenous exactly. It's it's that it it kind of goes up and down in the slight wave instead of like sort of cresting and then falling and it just it it doesn't yeah. do that with you emotionally. It it, it gives you stable. Right, and it that. gives its characters room to breathe and to sit with their emotions and for you as a viewer to kind of sit with it for a while and it gives that space for you to like move on to the next thing with them rather than being like you know, in whiplash and trying to follow what's going on with everybody. And I appreciate that for sure. And yeah, the directing is beautiful. And the other thing that I want to mention, which um, the cast were all really good. And I was blown away by the leads, especially, especially like Junho, like he's an idol and he was really good in Chief Kim, but he was amazing in this. Like I I cannot see him as just an idol actor after this. He's really, really good. And Wanjina as well is so good. Like, she has this tiny body that contains multitudes. I was really impressed with her. Okay. I am convinced. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I don't want you to have, like, overly inflated expectations either, but that's. I'll just leave it there, and hopefully you'll enjoy it once you're in the mood for it. So since we were talking about Revenge Mellows, um, I want to pick up uh, this. Sai, you've been watching uh, Return of uh, Iljilmi, right? Oh, yeah. So how how's that been going? Well, I'm watching it, but kind of somewhat sort of in a laissez-faire kind of way so I went to I went to Bath a couple of weeks ago like the first time in my life Ooh. I've ever been I've ever been on a holiday right? 
did you go in the bath? Or did you just no, I, I didn't feel the need to spend that much money. <laughs> did, he, did he actually still have the... I, I have yeah, they have the original Roman baths there. It's really cool. Whoa. I actually went there... No, no, they're really amazing because they're like, they have these, uh, um, these are Roman baths, so you're talking thousands of years, and um, they have these like healing properties and there's this right. whole history, like there's historical records of how during the Victorian times and the, jo like very, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, remember. Right. I mean, kings. we've all read Jane Austen, right? And all <laughs> yeah, basically, Jane Austen, there's a Jane Austen center there and we went there and they Ooh. have the, like the Darth, Mr. Darcy's tea rooms and stuff. That was not oh my impressive. Gosh. Um, oh really? Yeah, it was. But the museum was cool. She lived in Bath for a while, and it's actually ah. it's really amazing because um, oh, I'm, how can I compress this like three hour tour into three minutes? Ah. Um, she was not a city girl, and Bath was a city. So, and all of that original architecture is still there. So you can go and see the house she lived in, and you can read like you know her uh, her letters and how she talks about how she felt closed in. And you can stand in the alley and look up and be like, you know what, this is oppressive. Um, and oh. like you're looking at what she saw, and it's so cool. And because they have a lot of. Uh, they have a lot of what's it called um it's not it, it is it her correspondence there's correspondence and uh, her what is it called uh, juvenilia uh, ju 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 how, how does she pronounce that juvenilia juvenilia i don't know anyway how do you pronounce that her unpublished writings when she was from when she was young um mm. so like they've got these up in the exhibition it's really fascinating to read because you're in that space where she wrote that and we went and saw the assembly rooms and you know you can imagine the, like these huge chandeliers and you can imagine this being full of people you know at a ball or at the card tables because it's all been sort of restored in that um regency style and everything Whoa. and the pump rooms and everything oh, it's, super it's cool. so cool it was so cool so um it, ah. <laughs> it was like one day a, when i make it to england one day come oh and i'll God. go with you come I'm, and i'll go with you i'm like dying to go to interesting uh, places with people i want to go more with. than jane austen for me uh bath is associated with georgia Tech. yeah and yeah exactly oh true yes yeah. yeah so and but the thing is one thing that uh her characters always pointed out was that uh, taking the water in the Roman baths was like, it, it, it would probably make you sick instead of curing your ails. So yeah, that's what my question and is. And then it's well, it actually, too. It, they, they do, no, because there's different springs and obviously some of them wouldn't be drinkable, but the ones that they had, they were. Um, and what okay. they what they explained was that a lot of the people who were coming here uh, and at one point the government um like opened a hospital so that poor people could come there uh, and get treatment not just rich people um oh. and the people who would come they you know they were malnourished they were like unclean um like you know their hygiene was very poor so of course they're going to be ill um and what they had is once they were there for six to eight weeks at, at the minimum you know they're having baths every day and they're mm. eating proper food so yeah, right. they got better. And also the mineral content of that water is really good. It's like it's high in iron. Um <clears throat> and like you can taste you can have some actual spring right. water. So we had a little cup. And it reminded nice. me actually of um like you know when you go back home, um well not Burma but like us <laughs> <laughs> Where you live, Burma. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like you know in the villages when you go back to your village and you know you have those uh hand pumping uh hand pumps the wells uh, oh yeah no no yeah we have those in the villages too actually right. we also have them in the cities oh do you interesting i've never yeah. seen one yeah, I've never seen you it have, in the city. You, you have them in the rare in the so I live in, No, not in the older parts. Actually, oh. so Calcutta is a pretty old city. Uh, so it's not like we have older parts and newer parts. I mean, oh. the outside, as the city uh, sort of grew and got bigger, the yeah. uh, the sort of the borders, the outlying areas, the, the, uh, the areas outside the main city that are now being developed, those are that's the new part. So the core of Calcutta is still old. So oh, most neighborhoods still have hand pumps. So I have one down the street actually. It's hardly ever used, but it's there and it's still functional. Oh, that's really interesting. That is so cool. Yeah, we're all um, in South villages. Asian, by the way, listeners. <laughs> yeah. In case you're wondering yeah, where the village and back home is. <laughs> just being thrown across the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like I remember that water from the village that it always had that iron tang. Um, and it tasted mm. exactly like the water from from you know my ancestral village. It was really like you know I could drink that all the time, partly because I'm like nearly anemic right now. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have yeah, some hot stuff. springs in the mountains here too, um, in North Carolina, but I haven't been yet. But they're supposed to be really good for your health. We keep th- saying we're going to like take a trip up there, but it's like four or five hours oh, away. You should go. Yeah. That's- yeah. Great. Yeah. Okay, guys. So we we started. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, we took, oh yeah. So so I went to Bath, um, and I needed something for the trip, and and I took Return of Iljimeo. So it was kind of a it was Iljimeo or nothing. So the first few the, it wasn't boring exactly. Like I'm up to about episode six, I think. So it's not quite boring, but it's not really gripping. But it has this interesting narrative style, uh, kind of a slightly different device, where you actually have a narrator and an, um, right. uh, an uh, omniscient narrator as well. So there's uh, this narrator is saying, oh, and then this happened, and you wouldn't have expected that to happen. And so <laughs> in all of this, and it's actually it's quite interesting. As you get used to it, you're like, oh, I quite like it. Um, yeah, I watched about 10 episodes. Okay, so just... we're kind of almost at the same place. Have the thing is, you watched the original Iljime? Uh, like the, uh, Legion Key? Well, there's, there's a... It's not quite that one is the re- uh, original and one isn't. No, I mean, Legion Key's version. Right, his one was, I think, a year earlier, I think. I watched... Yeah. But this is the one that was based was... on the original. Yeah, so I watched the first episode of the Legion Key one and the, um, the props... And the everything was just really Cheap. like you could tell that the production <laughs> yeah. budget was very low. Yeah. And Lee Junkie was really overacting. It was in his like extreme overacting phase. So I just even though I love him, but I couldn't get into it. And then I watched Return of Ilgme just because I'd heard it was really good. And it is kind of like it really takes its time and it yeah. feels like um an old story, you know, like a mm. almost like a folktale. And I like that aspect, but it's also it's not the kind of show that makes you feel like raring to watch the next episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so at some point, yeah, I just stopped and I never really got back to it. I feel like this is one of those shows because um, probably uh, like you, Anissa, um, uh, it came highly rated uh, like on, on Drama Beans. I'm trying to type Return of Iljimeh and I wrote Return of Anissa. <laughs> okay, let's not do that. I'm back. <laughs> Typing and talking at the same time. Good drama, that Return of 
Um, yeah, so it, it, it's been really highly rated, but I also found that in the dramas that you do find at the end, I like, you know, blow you away, it does take a long time to set them up. Like, for example, Princess's Men, which I know Boromir didn't blow you away, but it's like one of my top, like, blow away <laughs> dramas. Um, I couldn't get into it. It was very weird. Okay. You liked it so much. Oh, so did you I... not finish it? Oh, no, I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. Then your opinion at this point, then this is going to explain to you even more. Um, okay. Like a show like that, that took me a good 10 to 12 episodes before I got into it. Uh, and I That's think this I show would be like that. Right. Episodes. Okay, I was like, how can you watch that and not? <laughs> And not be kind of destroyed by it. Uh, like, yeah, but I also feel like I'm at the point in my drama watching journey where, like, I'm not really willing to give a drama ten episodes before I'm like, yes, finally, yes, basically. So yeah. you know, but Princess's Man so was. I think Princess's Man was like the third or fourth drama that I watched, maybe uh, earlier. Okay. So it was very early. Um, you're right. quite right though, because now you've got sort of. I, I'm really plot heavy now as well. So if it doesn't have plot, I, I'll just get bored. Um, yeah. And I feel like um, recapping makes the writing lacking parts and like the gaps nothing even yeah. more yeah noticeable. Definitely. And so you're just like, what is going on? Like the story has nothing to, it. and then you're just like, whatever. There's yeah. five other shows airing right now that, I, and I have like 15 <laughs> things on my list that I've been wanting to watch that are already done. So I'm just gonna go watch those. However, I am gonna finish it, um, just because I do feel like it will get that good. Um, but it's just not there yet. I think I'm on episode six, seven, something like that. Okay. And if so let's whoever's talk about listening, it next month. <laughs> if if you know if we have listeners who've watched it, tell me. Yeah. How long I have to hang right. in there for it to get good? Oh, and it has a really young um Ihanu, Ihanu, Ihanu. Oh, yeah. he in He's this? like twelve or eleven. Oh. He's like the little like. Uh, Homeless kid that like wanders oh, he around. Is, in the... is that him? He's really cute. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the one man, from, I didn't uh, recognize him at all. Oh. Uh, that re- rom-com yeah, yeah, last year the, that was really uh, popular. Liar and his lover. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he's really adorable. I didn't recognize him at all. Oh, okay. I have to watch it more closely now. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay right. <laughs> yeah, on to the next one. Uh, so you just, um, so you finished Doubtful Victory, right? Oh, yes, I do want to talk about this one. Um, okay, so Doubtful Victory is from the writer, one of the writers, or the writer of Pride and Prejudice, uh, the 2014 drama, which I really liked. So, but nobody else did, actually. So that was, I was one of the few people who really enjoyed that drama. It was twisty, it was ambiguous, it was quite dark, it was all quite bleak mm-hmm. as well, very atmospheric. So I was like, okay, Doubtful Victory, you know, you've got uh, Jung Hyesung as finally a lead character, and she always plays interesting characters, although usually secondary ones. Like, she was in Manhole recently. Um, she had that funny role in Moonlight. She does a lot of, you know, small roles that have a lot of character. Um, She's really good. Yeah, yeah. Like but then I was worried when this started by the like second episode, whether you know when secondary characters make it to lead roles, and the lead role characters are just not interesting. Mm. So her character, I think, was like that. And the problem with this drama was it was just too long. It needed to not be 20 episodes. 16 episodes would have been more than enough, and, you know, 12 would have been even better. It kept going round in circles. It's not that it wasn't interesting. It just kept going around too many times. 
Do you mind reminding me what this drama was about? Because I'm completely So you had uh, Yoon Kim Sang who was... Uh, ro- uh, uh, he's on death row. He was uh, wrongfully arrested. He was framed for a murder that he didn't commit. Um, so he gets... He breaks out of prison and... Uh, found, finds himself in a pickle where he ends up having to impersonate uh, an, a policeman who was murdered by the villains. And the villains force him to take on that identity uh, yeah. to cover up the murder that they've committed. So for him, it's like it's a no-win situation. But so then... This is- I'm sorry, this is the actor who did the second lead in Doctors, right? Or who played I the think so. older brother He was in, young um, in Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah, Pinocchio. <laughs> yeah right. I mean, that's Rebel. how I remember him too, as a young <laughs> Pinocchio. And he was the lead okay, sorry, the recently as well. Um, so, like, I feel like the role, the roles in the dramas, neither of them were quite worthy of the actors. Um, and yeah, it just it was very convoluted, and you just lost. Uh, what's it? It it sapped its own tension. You had villains who just kept on being victorious without. And actually, it did have a good sort of a turn of the villains win and the you know the good guys win and then the villains win and then the good guys win. It just happened too many times and it felt repetitive. Mm. Like it yeah. would have been enough to do that half the number of times that they did it. Right. And then you had these sort of bumbling. They weren't even bumbling. They were actually quite efficient. And they had some funny, uh, some running gags that were really funny. Like the there were two henchmen who were really cute. But then you remember they murder people and they murdered the one character I really cared about and and then you're like I don't try and make me like them or be sympathetic to them or think that they're better than they are yeah (laughs) because you know they they killed people let's not pretend that they're now suddenly absolved because they've been cute a couple of times no so yeah yeah I was frustrated with that drama by the time it ended I did watch it to the end, but it was frustrating. It wasn't as it wasn't up to the quality of Pride and Prejudice. Hmm. Which is another drama I was actually thinking of uh, watching next week, Pride and Prejudice. You've been telling me so much about <laughs> it, and I haven't been able to catch I feel like that. I feel like telling people to watch dramas I really like and telling them too much is setting them up to be disappointed. Because um, I'm going to warn you here, a lot of people really didn't like it and they found it very dry. Um, yeah, I stopped watching I really it after it. like four episodes as well, like when it was airing. Mm. So I'm not, it didn't really, it wasn't bad. It just didn't mm. capture my attention and I just I think the thing with it. Pride and Prejudice is, is that until you get to the end, you don't know what to think about it. It was basically as, the, uh, as it closed, in the closing credits, I was like, ah. Uh, because that's when everything comes together. It literally takes oh, the, the entire show mm-hmm. for it to come together. But, um, it, you know, your mileage may vary. You, It might not right. be for you. I, a lot of people didn't like it. They just wanted it to be more clear and, and less ambiguous. And yeah. I might have felt that way as well, but I enjoyed the payoff. I thought the payoff was really good. Interesting. And I feel like sometimes there are really smart shows. I don't know if this applies to that one, but there's sometimes really smart shows that subvert your expectations or like go against what you might be expecting the story to do on purpose and it's Mm. smart but sometimes it doesn't quite get to the point where it's enjoyable and so Mm -hmm. you just start left feeling a little bit uncomfortable and like you know especially because as k-drama viewers we're so used to like a specific type of setup and knowing what we're getting into when we start episode one and 
I feel like sometimes the dramas that get really polarizing reactions are the ones where like people are like, but that's not what I was expecting, even though it's actually like, you know, well done. But sometimes people are just like, but that wasn't the hero that I wanted or like, that's not where I thought this love story was going. Yeah, I think with Pride and Prejudice, it narrowly escaped being con- like self-consciously clever. And I think with uh, Doubtful Victory, which also, by the way, uh, has gone under the names uh, Oh the Mysterious and Mysterious Ilseng, depending on where you've been watching it or reading about it. Um, mm. the, the problem with this show is that it wanted to be cleverer than it was. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah, that's always okay. sad. You don't need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so not a recommend from you. Okay. No. <laughs> Is anybody watching Byuki right now? I am not. I haven't started it yet. I watched the first episode, oh. and then all of that drama broke, and then I had serious thoughts about whether yeah. I really wanted to. I thought so I'd what, try it again. What was, that, what was the drama? Could you tell me? Because I think I totally missed that part. Oh, I just okay. So, so angry I... about... Yeah, go on. A, you me a crew member uh, was rigging some lights or something without a safety harness, um, oh. and they uh, fell and injured themselves, and now he's uh, paralyzed from the waist down. So that kind of tells you what the working conditions were like. Um, wow. And there was a... Uh, Anissa, I can't remember. Do you remember uh, the other details? Because I'm, I'm now, like... Uh, what is it? The other details... Eyeball deep um, in the other one. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of bad enough, but on top of that, like, they didn't really talk about it until it was reported on, and even, I think, when somebody, when they started reporting on it, like, they denied it at first, and it took them to a, while, a while to admit that, like, maybe there was something wrong with the working conditions. If, I mean, from memory, I might be saying something wrong, but that's what I remember. From, uh, so people were pretty upset. Like, they did eventually apologize, but people were like, you know, this is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think also, uh, isn't it the same production company? Or um, do you remember that other drama where one of the, either it was one of the writers or one of the ADs committed suicide? Wasn't um, that Let's Eat? Yeah, let's One of the eat too. Assistant P- was it the assistant PD? I think it was, yeah, an assistant PD who was like kind of younger and he was so stressed out by the drama mm. and what he went through on that set that he committed suicide. Um, and the, and the, um, he disappeared for a while and then they found out like a little later that he had killed himself and the company actually blamed his parents. Whoa. Which is, I was just like, you. Just I actually yeah, wanted to so. get you guys' thoughts on that because, I mean, t- today all the news has been, you know, uh, Go Hyunjung who was fired from Return. So it's kind of like, it's not one Oh, thing. I haven't heard about that. Oh, uh, yeah, it's basically, um, she, she was fired from Return. Um, there's all of these conflicting accounts. Uh, the official account says that um, they had uh, uh, like artistic differences, I guess, and that she assaulted the uh, PD. Which you Whoa. know, who the, the problem with these accounts is you don't actually know what's true. Like just yeah. because it's an official account doesn't mean it's true. Um, and you know, on her side, they're saying she, you know she tried to close the gap in the uh, the 
between the uh, between her and the PD, and you know wasn't able to do so, so they parted ways. Um, yeah, you, you there's just simply no way of knowing what's actually true here. Yeah, and I feel like more than I don't know what you guys' take on this is, but for me, like personally, I don't think as regular people sitting behind our computers like we can't really know what an individual on an individual level like what the blame is to go around mm. but as an industry i think it's pretty clear that they don't have enough regulations yeah um and if they do have regulations they're definitely not being enforced and that's a problem that needs to change and it's really sad when people have to give up their lives before anyone starts paying attention to it like and it's that... not a new problem it's been going on for right. as the long drama... as i've been a fan for sure the drama production environment is like, you know, when it, something blows up, we pay attention to it. But ever actually ever since, you know, the news about Jonghyun, it was just... Since then I've been thinking about how I consume dramas and whether I want to keep doing it. Because, you know, when things get that bad, you just... It's really hard to... Like, I can't ignore it but then also I don't know maybe I can and I think I think that's problematic to ignore yeah. it as, as problematic as you know but at the I, same I time know. yeah I know I totally get what you're saying and also like it's not only the Korean drama industry it's yeah no of course not the thing entertainment is, is that, in general yeah. yeah like I'm sure you guys read that story that came out yesterday about um or not yesterday maybe like two days ago about like Uma Thurman's car accident on the side oh, yeah, of Kill Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that whole thing of, video. oh my god. Yeah, it's just... So, I mean, obviously there's... And there was a movie a few years back, I think, where one of the camera women actually was killed on set because safety wasn't being, you know, properly taken care of. So, like, they're on these tight schedules and time is money and they don't necessarily always want to speak up and tell the director, like, there's a mistake, there's a problem, maybe we should stop filming today and film again tomorrow you know like mm -hmm. there's that culture of um extreme pressure and like a lot of money riding on the line and nobody wanting to be the, the squeaky wheel and mm -hmm. but at the like, same time like um not consuming it mm -hmm. i don't know maybe that's the solution but maybe so the solution is to make a lot of noise so yeah, that hopefully basically. things might change i think that actually uh not watching it would uh, just take us away from the problem, not solve it. But instead, if we can make enough noise, like you said, and make them actually answerable for what they do. Mm. Because once these stories get out, like for instance, Uma Thurman's story, once that, the clip that was released by Tarantino, once that, everybody loved Kill Bill. But now, years later, to know that that kind of stuff happened on set, now that we know that, we can start asking questions. Now yeah. that if, if uh, concurrent to this, we hear other, um, uh, you know, cast members or in on other sets coming out with their own stories about these are the things that happened during production, we can take them seriously and push those voices sort of ahead, like in front, so that, you know, they are heard and kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and rather than disengaging, right, and rather than disengaging from being, um, you know, a consumer at all and just, you know, dismissing the entire industry, maybe when people are exposed, like even with all this, you know, sexual harassment and abuse scandals, like, it's good to be able to know 
Like, if there are creeps that everybody knows are creeps, then we can, like, not give them our money and give our money to other people mm-hmm. who are doing good work and who also seem to be decent human beings um, and who deserve to have an opportunity and who aren't, like, you know, powerful white dudes getting away with whatever garbage they want to. So, well, the, so can, I, can I just also clarify that yeah. in regards of watching drama, I meant in terms of watching Hwayugi or something in particular not everything in particular yeah, yeah no no yeah. that's yeah and also yeah, like uh, you guys are talking about princesses man i don't think i can watch that yeah now. i think even though i know it's I, really good i, I think i can't watch it again like for the mm. obvious reason and it's i hate that he ruined it for me <laughs> it's like, i know why why did you do that uh, from a purely sort of fan perspective um and yeah uh, i just want to like emphasize that it is not at all specific but i kind of almost exclusively watch korean dramas right now rather than anything else i've already given mm. up on like american and british tv they've already let me down so um, yeah i don't really watch any other tv much but i mm. do watch movies like hollywood movies so yeah i, I kind of am plugged anymore. into that industry <laughs> a bit yeah Oh, and there's uh, just one other thing I wanted to add as well, which is that it's not just when it's things like, you know, injuries and um, that, you know, that kind of bad working conditions, but you've got some quite subtle things as well. Like I was just remembering as you were talking, it's not even subtle, it's just, you know, people wouldn't remark on it. But um, one of my favorite films, um, A Cinderella Story, which is a pretty old film, it's been around for a very long time. Um, uh, what's it, Hilary Duff and Chad Michael Murray? And ah, I, oh, yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, some trailers. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, I don't it. even know how many times I've watched that film. Like, there was a period in my life where I just watched it all the time. Wait, you um, watch it more than once? <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Go away. <laughs> anyway, that film. But then I, I learned really recently that um, the director would call uh, Chad Michael Murray, who was in his 20s at the time, and Hilary Duff, who was 15, into his trailer and make them practice kissing passionately <gasps> in front of him. Oh and that's just, a, that's, that's vile. That's an abuse of power. It's vile on every level. Yeah. Mm. And especially, like, with Hilary Duff being one of the few people who, in, in the industry, who seems to sort of have her life together and, and not be, like, broken and in pieces. Although, obviously, we don't know the truth. But, um, yeah. you know, one of the few people who seems to have survived the Hollywood experience without being destroyed. As a child actor, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's just, it ruined the entire film for me. Uh, I don't think I can watch it again, ever. Yeah, it's a thing, right? Like, if you don't know, then you don't know. But once you find out, mm. like, like I there didn't are even so many other things 15. that you could be spending your time on. That yeah, so that industry, there's it. just there's so much poison in the industry, uh, and not yeah. the Korean industry, but the entertainment industry in general, regardless of where it is. Yeah, like there's so much toxicity and so much, you know, bad stuff happening, and we don't even see like one percent of it. Every, right. you know, every now and then one tiny thing makes it through sort of the thick skin uh, and we see yeah. it, but that's not even the 1% of it. And it's like very, it's this weird contradiction of like this, that we know there's a lot of stuff going on that we abhor and yet at the same time it's creating something that we love yeah, and fairy tale get so much victory. joy from. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, it's complicated for sure. Should we move on to the next show? Yes.
Oh, okay. so, uh, do you guys mind if I actually go? What do you give it? Go on, go on. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm meant to doing. I plan to okay. sort of maybe watch it depending on what you say. <laughs> so I actually don't know if I can give you a positive uh, review for this because um, I'm watching it. I don't actually know why I keep watching it. <laughs> uh, what episode right? are you on? <laughs> I'm on episode 10. Uh, they've aired after episode 12 now. Okay. And um, the thing is, so... Isengi was obviously the main draw. I went into this because of him and a bit because of uh, Chashimon because, you know, he was amazing. Uh, yeah, amazing. I love him. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, the mythology behind uh, uh, Wayugi is pretty um, it, it is pretty great. So the writers have that uh, down pat. The characters, uh, it took a while to flesh them out. I mean, I, I, I don't think I actually... I, I was pretty ready to give this up by the second episode, but I kind of stuck uh, till the fifth one and I really got into it. Like, by the end of the fourth one, it got interesting. By the fifth one, I decided to keep watching. But the thing is that despite um, they have this fantastic cast, they have got a really solid concept, they've got good folklore to draw from, and that's something you have to give these Korean fantasies. They really, they, they seem to have... Uh, these amazing folklores coming out of everywhere. I, I, like every culture has its uh, pile of you know uh, folk stories to pull from, but somehow the Korean culture really cherishes and kind of like uh, so aggregates these stories and make sure that all their kids grow up knowing them. So that the references that these it there are two kinds of references that the show primarily does. One. Uh, it has to do with the entertainment industry, so they, they are referring um, to uh, you know ageless stars like um, uh, Jung, Nara, Jung Nara. Is Jung Nara. Oh yeah, right? that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, so they are they are making references like that. They're referring to uh, pop stars. They are they are referring to uh, wait, uh, wait, like what's it's self-referential, um, right? It's, like it's, a meta commentary. Hmm. It, there is a level of meta commentary. It's not very really critical, but it's there. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing that I like even more is obviously the folklore that they plumb. And it's like there is no end to this stuff. They pull from such a rich horde of stories. Um, and it's all very... You can tell when there is depth to a story and that there is depth to what they're pulling from. But where this show really fails is pacing. So they take these scenes um, and, you know, they're building up tension, but somehow they can't seem to land the punch. They just extend the scene and keep extending it. I think they're trying to draw more uh, drama out of it, but instead what happens is that it fizzles out. So they mm-hmm. repeatedly do this. That's my main uh, issue with this drama. And the other thing is that they have this otherwise amazing uh, female lead Played by um, Oyun Shio, I think. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Jin Sun Lee is amazing. She is competent. She has uh, survived to adulthood while being haunted the entire time. She was supposed to be protected by this fairy, but well, he never turned up. And uh, she is amazing. That's all great. But we are told that she's amazing. We are told that she's badass. We never actually get to see it because she's repeatedly rescued by the hero and you know by uh. Sasha Wan. So. 
that it's episode 10 and i have yet to see her rescue herself from anything so i am getting more and more frustrated by this yeah, drama that's so disappointing yeah, if they don't, if they don't do something about this in the next couple of episodes, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might give this up, but yeah, I'll let you guys know. Sounds good. Yeah, keep us updated. That's unfortunate because it's a great cast. And also because Oyunso was so great in um, Comeback Ajashi, she was like, you know, whatever reason you were watching it at the end, you were watching it for her. She was great in that. So uh, in that, um, she, her, her body was possessed by the spirit of a dead guy uh, as no, actually i can't remember the details anyway she was acting uh, as uh you know, a woman's body possessed by a man and it was mm. such a great role for her and i think she she's really to, good but then okay. she went on to be disappointing in what is it um uh my sassy girl what's she what it was called the drama yeah the, the one yeah this the saga version sassy girl that wasn't actually anything to do with the sassy girl. (laughs) I heard it was terrible. Yeah. And I haven't watched it, but that's what I heard as well. So it's, I I was, look, she was the person I was looking forward to the most in this drama. I watched the first episode and like you said, I didn't see much of her being awesome. I do want to add something to this though. Despite my uh, disappointment in in the the way they're treating the female lead, I, the cast, the secondary cast here is amazing. Like they, they all have their own motivations. They have their backstories. And one of my favorite oh, is El, this, right? <laughs> no, yeah, El is, is a. I read. I mean, where has she been all my life? I love her. <laughs> well, she was in Goblin, remember? Yeah, yeah she's she was. Great. So that's, yeah. that's where I first so saw good. her. And since then, I've been seeing her everywhere. She was in Black. She yeah, is yeah. here. She, yeah. So. Oh, I'm I'm so glad she's on 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 my screen now. But the one the the character that really blew me away because she's she's such a she does there there doesn't actually seem to be a purpose to her character right now. But maybe there is one eventually. Is this zombie girl that they have uh, in the cast? She's this random, pretty sort of uh, wannabe pop star girl who basically gets murdered and then resurrected, and she kind of hangs around them, kind of wanting. And everybody's like, you stink, go sit in the fridge. And she's like, okay, I'm so sorry, I stink. And she goes and sits in the fridge. And she's amazing. Okay, so they have these characters. And okay, you know what? That answers it. This is why I'm watching Kwayogi, because of the secondary cast. Because of Isiungu and the secondary cast, they they did a really good job just bringing these people alive. So let's see what they do with them now. Okay, so moving on to uh, something else that... Wait, what <laughs> Radio Romance. Oh, Radio That's Romance. Right. I am very, very curious about, about this. this. <laughs> yeah, I have I have a lot of questions about this. Oh, oh my God, Kim So Hyun finally gets a lead, which is <laughs> awesome. And this girl's 18. How is she doing so much? How? I'm yeah, more disturbed good. by the uh, mm. age of the guy who's cast opposite her. So he is exactly 10 years older than her. So mm. he's 28, and that might be an issue, but the thing is, um, Kim So Hyun does do a, a pretty convincing job of being someone in her early 20s. So it's not as skeevy as you would think, at least, you know, not on film. And okay. she does have a lot of maturity about her, so I guess that comes across. But the problem is that the thing that we saw her in right before this was while you were sleeping and she was a school kid there. So. There is that issue. I feel like I've been seeing her in uniforms. 
um, for the last five years. I've just been seeing her in school uniforms. So it's a little bit hard to think about her being in her early 20s. She was in Ruler, Master of the Mask with Yusunga. Oh, I didn't watch that. You know, that drama very nearly made me hate her. (laughs) I didn't hate Yusunga, but I... (laughs) She 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 can do evil? No, it was just her character was so badly written. And, Ah, like, it was... It was maybe one of the worst characters she had. She was just a forgettable, pale, milksop, boring, dull, bland, uh, watery. Have I said enough bland words yet? Mm. <laughs> well, Basically, I mean, you see how shame. I feel. Yeah, and it's a shame because she's capable of doing so much. She's so good in the right role. But the, the, I have really mixed feelings about the show. Um, firstly, I'm not up to date. I've only watched three episodes. But the first two episodes really... Uh, I was really troubled by them. Like, okay, the really the big deal here is she is eighteen, um, mm. and the, her um, the male lead uh, Yun Zhijun, he is what twenty eight. Yeah, ten exactly. years Okay, it's is she eighteen? Like eighteen years old in, in Korean international age? age I think. International age. Okay. Let me quickly That's look this up. Slightly better. <laughs> Yeah, she is. I, I checked right before. Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> because in Korean age, she's like 19 or something. Or 19 or 20? 19 in, in, uh, in Korean age. So, like, if when you... When people describe them as being whatever age they are in Korean age, it, ha- it gives the illusion of them being older than they are. Um, right. So, on the one hand, she's doing a really good job with the role. She is selling her uh, character as, you know... As, as this struggling radio writer who is an adult. She is selling that well. On the other hand, her face isn't doing her, her a favour because she does look as young as she is. Um, mm. And she doesn't look um, old enough to be that character. And again, that comes in with our meta-knowledge of her being that young. Mm. Um, secondly, even though the uh, the the story itself actually I'm about to disagree with a point I haven't made yet but <laughs> um, the way that her character the things that her character did in the first two episodes really made me so uncomfortable so firstly you have her as the magnet the group you know the youngest in the group who is mm-hmm. constantly sort of running back and forth and basically being uh, a servant and it's very uncomfortable to watch uh, a young, a very young woman being used by a lot of older men. Especially when she's serving, like, you know, she's the one serving the drinks and, you know, uh, keeping up the spirit and being the token woman. And then you have this uh, point in the second episode where she, um, she's in a situation where a guy is getting her drunk. And it's Jilju, by the way, which makes me really sad because I really like him. It's like, why are you being such a slime? Oh, yeah, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> and so I like him he's, too. he's deliberately getting her drunk and it's clear what he wants to do. He wants to get her drunk and then he wants to sleep with her. But that itself isn't a problem, again. So what is a problem is that she's rescued from that situation. This isn't the problem yet. She's rescued from that situation by Yundijin. But she doesn't realise what just nearly happened to her. That is a problem. She never finds out. She has... She's beyond clueless. She's dangerously clueless. You don't realise you just nearly got raped. Because that's what the guy was going to do to you. 
And I was so angry watching that that I just, I was like about to lose my mind. <laughs> like angrily typing up a long thing and then they couldn't be bothered to do anything with it. Um, I was so angry when I was watching that because it's not about the story, it's not about the actress, it's about a predatorial environment that is feeding you the story. It's a predatorial casting that's putting this 18-year-old, uh, you know, she's a kid, mm. she is a kid, let's not make her more than that. She should still be doing those younger roles, or she should be having a co-star who is closer to her in age. Even Yusunga was too old for her as a co-star. Like, that made me uncomfortable. Uh, in Moonlight, the Kim Yoo-jung Pagbogom romance, that made me really uncomfortable. And they weren't even being inappropriate, but it's still, you know... We have yeah, there's an line. element of ick to it that you can't really get away from, and it's especially, especially if you're going to um, tell a story where you're showing some kind of problematic behavior and like predatory behavior. Oh, I, I don't think you should use more. such a. <laughs> hmm? So uh, I remembered a few more. So Yundajun the hero, right? He at one point he just picks her up and throws her over his shoulder takes her to his car, sits her in the car, belts her up, and drives away with her. And all this time, all the time, she's protesting, put me down, let me out, stop the car. But no, he's a hero. He's he's still taking her where he's taking her. And then so he drops her off home. Oh, sorry, go ahead. He drops her off home. Why does this guy know where she lives? She's not, like, she asks him a couple of times. But, you know, this is creepy and, again, predatorial. Sure, there's lots of good, like, in-plot reasons for that, but in real-life terms, you're watching this and it's so disturbing. <laughs> and he's constantly so, dragging her around. So I have a question, like, do you feel like the drama is setting up these things in the beginning so that it can comment on them in some kind of way, or, like... I don't you know think, how sometimes I don't think they it's do that, that self-aware. Oh, okay. Um, it's but, just problematic. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's their tropes, isn't it? It's these drama tropes where these things are romantic and whatever. Um, because by the third episode, it was bearable and I was enjoying it. <laughs> but those first two episodes were really bad. Um, so I just wish they didn't resort to those things. They're not cool. The, the, Especially you're in watching this too, right? So I've watched um, an episode and a half. I haven't finished the second episode yet. Oh, but, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you were, I thought you were up to date. <laughs> I've already read the recap of the second episode, so I know what you're talking about. So, but the thing is that these things that you're talking about, about um, him being high-handed with her, sort of acting like he knows what needs to be done next better than she does, that is a drama trope that uh, alpha whole heroes often perpetuate. But um, the thing here is that I'm hoping that it's this... This guy has a lot of, he, he's in a weird kind of headspace where he has depression and he has this weird sort of um, suppressed anger towards her for some childhood thing that has still not been explained. And this girl doesn't know any of this stuff. So he is operating from this um, perspective of someone who's going through a lot of stuff in his head and it's not in a very good place. Whereas she is just someone who's trying to get her work done. So there is conflict there that's not, it, it, it takes a couple of episodes to set those up anyway. So yeah, but, I mean, I'm not excusing the high-handedness, that is a drama trope that needs to be done away with. It's but, mere high-handedness is kind of my, like it crosses a line. 
And especially in the current environment, I feel like these are lines you should be more aware of right now. And they, you know, like you don't get sorry, to pick up a ahead. woman and put her in her uh, in a car and just drive away. I'm, no, that's no. You know. No, you don't. I'm, I I agree with you. Those those are things that need to stop. So yeah, and I, hopefully have, we have drama heroines <laughs> who would be like, no, okay, you you're doing this, you're done. I'm no, this is actually this is just this yeah. is what I wanted to add as well is because it's not like they don't like. In the last two or three years, dramas have been really, like, they've stepped up their game a lot. They've yeah, got these heroines who, yeah, these heroines who call it out. And you've got yeah. heroes who oh, are not jerks. So I think we are now in an environment where we've had these nice heroes for so long. This, he, like, Yundajin feels like a retro, uh, a retrograde hero. Like a an old, sort of early Secret 2000s type of, yeah, yeah. like a secret secret garden type of hero like an outdated (laughs) hero exactly secret garden is the actual archetype well it's not even an archetype but um, there's more than that but for me it's the archetype pretty much that that's what we started with like that's where we discovered this the drama environment right now in the drama environment right now we don't have dramas like that like we haven't had for a while where you have heroes like uh, the uh, swimmer and weightlifting uh, fairy, right? You have those heroes, right. and and then you have this guy. That that would be a bit of a sort of whiplash. Ten steps. Yeah. Back. Go ahead, Anissa. What did you want to say? I guess similar, like kind of related to your point of now we have heroes that offer us an alternative. Like in general, um, as as watchers and as an audience, like. We have to put up with certain things. Like, whenever, usually 98% of the time, we don't get a perfect show. And so, like, there are things that we kind of get used to just accepting as part of the picture. Like, and with Korean dramas for a long time, it was these problematic, you know, wrist grabbing tropes. And you're like, okay, well, I love the other 90% of it. I'm going to recognize that that part's problematic, but like, it's kind of just there. And I have to kind of roll my eyes and not enjoy that part. But like, now we've gotten used to getting. Good you know, heroes. it's 100%, yeah, <laughs> like, the, you know, the, the heroine is strong and she stands up for herself and she's not a doormat. She doesn't let the guy, you know, they actually hold hands instead of mm-hmm. the guy dragging her around by her arm. Mm. You know, like, we've seen that and so our expectations have evolved and we're not really willing to put up with that mm. stuff exactly. anymore. And, and the uh, other thing is that uh, you have Kim Soo-hyun who, like, when, she, when I just see her interacting with the other characters... She, like, I can believe that she's someone in her early 20s, someone who looks young, but she still lived life. But the moment I see her with Dujun, um, mm. you you are reminded of her age. It's just, you, it's not just the way they act, it's also just the, their age it becomes very apparent when yeah. they are set together. So I, I don't think the audience would be able to forget about that unless... I don't know, this uh, this pairing becomes very compelling somehow. But it yeah. hasn't become that yet. So I remember when they were still talking about, like, t- like you know, this, the premise and the casting and all this for this drama, and I was kind of, like, side-eyeing it. But I was like, okay, you know, let's see where they go with this. I'm willing to at least wait. And then I saw the teasers. Mm. Did, did you guys see those? And they had, like, the two of them next to each other, and I was like, oh... I don't oh, think I can watch oh, this one. I didn't see them. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Yeah, and, it was, and it was like in like, she had like pigtails and um, she looked even younger than she is. Like the way they had styled her. 
She looked even younger than 18. See, and this is what I mean like, about the predatory hazy, soft focus. And there were, and I was like, what is this tone? Like, what are they going right. for in this drama? Do you drama? not feel that there's a kind of a, an edge of deliberate creepiness in there? Like, it's, it's someone in a glass office who wants to see that. I definitely got it from the marketing team. I was hoping that it wouldn't exist in the drama. Yeah, the drama has has in, at least in the first two episodes, it does have really uncomfortable scenes. Mm. That's unfortunate. But I'm still watching I love it. Both of these <laughs> yeah, you let us know. You guys, uh, are you going to continue watching it, Parma? I will decide my episode four. I think. Let me just see. It's just Kim So Hyun. I really want to watch it because it's her first lead. But uh, yeah, let's see how it goes. You know, like what you said, um, Parma, about him having these emotional issues related to the past or some feelings of, I don't know, resentment that he has towards her and she just wants to get her work done. Mm. Like, not knowing anything about the drama or having watched it, but just hearing that description, isn't that, like, so much, like, life as a woman? Like, you're just trying to get your work done and yeah, there's this well, guy and he's trying to, like, put emotional issues on damage. you. Yeah, yeah and sure. you're, like, expected to do all the emotional labor of, like, dealing with his emotional baggage that you don't even know exists but somehow like you're responsible for like you know placating him and making him feel comfortable like I'm just so over that (laughs) you see all of that is is true but the the misstep I feel they've taken with Kim Seon's character is that they've made her really naive and clueless which is it it's because she's so young it's more problematic i feel like they should have made her more jaded and more wise to you know the the sort of the the cruel world and you know the danger of men and all of that don't be so clueless this is making you worse and especially like realistically as a 24 year old woman it's not going to be your first time exactly you are she should like in the job that she's doing, she should be more aware than most of the dangers associated with it, and therefore take more care than most because of what she's doing. And that's what I just found really disturbing. Have, do you know how uh, dramas usually uh, pair these jaded characters with the really innocent ones, so that usually the jaded character is a male and the innocent one is a female, and you know her innocence will melt his cold heart and oh. that's how they do I think that's what they're trying to do over here the problem is that naivety doesn't <laughs> she, well yeah that, that is the problem but also that um, with these uh, drama creators it, it, and also you know filmmakers it's also done in other industries where naivety is it doesn't always have to be sexual naivety it, it doesn't just because she's sort of innocent about certain things in the world doesn't mean that she has to be innocent about how men see her because by the time you're 16 you know how men see you yeah exactly it's highly unlikely that you wouldn't realize what kind of situation you're it's not at least yeah you know you trust the people around you so you uh, you you trust that they won't harm you but there is somewhere in the back of your mind you still have a voice telling you but that maybe let's not trust them too much okay that much most most women have by the time yeah. they are this character yeah. so yeah, yeah absolutely is. in relation to Kim Seon's character just one more thing to add um mm. she 
she flies solo. She's an independent, um, what is it called? An independent agent most of the time. So she's doing stuff. Um, she She's the one who's making stuff happen. Um, mm. So you would expect in that position that she would be more clued up than that. Um, and, ah. like, in general, when dramas do this whole sort of, you know, the innocence thing, dramas do exaggerate innocence and that's true it doesn't work in this particular uh situation because she is like because in terms of her real age it doesn't like if you had an older actress doing this i would be less uh disturbed if you had for example uh you know our dream pairing kim silgi uh, with you <laughs> <laughs> if you had kim silgi yes. doing this and the same things happened to her i wouldn't be so disturbed like exactly yeah. the same things. I wouldn't be happy, but I wouldn't be like disturbed, or as my sister says, I would not be shooketh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like, um, like you were saying, Parma. They like to play with these contrasts because it sometimes can create an interesting character interaction and development. And I get that, but I think one of the things that we find a lot in Korean dramas is like if you have an older character and a younger character. You know, like, if, if one of them is in a position of weakness in one way, then they'll make the other character in a position of weakness in a different way. But when a man is always in the position of strength and the woman is always in a position of weakness, that just makes a really icky and uncomfortable period. You know, like, when he's also older and he's also yeah. the boss and he's also more experienced and she's, like, younger and uh, he's her boss and she's poor and, <laughs> and she's... Yeah, and, and it's her first relationship. and You know, like, that's icky. Whereas when you have, like, a Nuna romance where maybe... Oh, those are the She's his boss. <laughs> yeah, and then like there's this, and then it also kind of plays with the societal expectation of like the man's privilege just, in society and her, you know. So that's can, can I just pipe in here and please recommend uh, my horrible boss? Um, I I forget the other name for this drama, but please go watch it. Everyone. Is this um, Mrs. Temple yeah. and Nam Jungi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's oh, I did that's watch that on your recommendation. Okay, that's oh, been on my list, but I haven't had a chance to, to watch it. You, it it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. It's basically you've got a very beta hero, and it's and it's a what's his name? No, it's Oscar. It's Oscar from. It's Oscar. Oscar. Yeah, that's Oscar. right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why yes. can't I Yoon remember Sung-hun. his name? Yeah, yeah, Yoon that's Sung-hun. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's always gonna be Oscar. He's great. Yeah. <laughs> my mom calls him Oscar too. <laughs> Okay, uh, so uh, we just have a couple of other stuff left to talk about. Is anybody watching Woohoo Waikiki? I meant I to. If you started. gave me another couple of days, I'd have I'd have watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault, Zaya. It's all your fault. So I just watched, uh, again, just a bit of the first episode. And since I haven't watched the entire thing, I don't want to talk about it much. But I... Really loved the first ten minutes that I watched, so I think this is a drama that I'm going to get into in the next week. So yeah, Sounds that's it. Yeah, well, yeah. it's and got your favorite taste too, in it, so right? <laughs> it does. <laughs> and the baby, Taesun and a baby. Like, how can you say no? Oh my god, guys, it's it's like when you add Yusungo to a cat, right? Right. <laughs> and they waste absolutely no time getting into that. They like you you start the drama within five minutes, there's the baby. Okay, and there are these three young men and they have to deal with this baby. They don't know where it came from. So yeah. If it gives <laughs> me similar feels to the baby in Hogu's love, I will be so happy. Because that made me really happy. That oh, baby was that. amazing. <laughs> this 
baby is pretty cute. Every but, time yeah, a baby, yeah, you know, every time a baby shows up on screen in a drama, <laughs> my ovaries melt because it's like they have one, they have real life actual babies, and two, the babies are so cute that you actually feel like you're gonna die. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I have the opposite reaction. I'm, I am a bit scared of babies, but in this case, I I can't wait to see what happens next. Cause they they already had to change diapers, and it was like the best thing ever. So yeah. oh, this sounds really yeah. I'm really excited to start this. <laughs> Burma, tell us about tomorrow with you. Did you finish it? I am. Oh, you're not going to like me for this. I just watched two episodes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say um, I hate it. Then I'll be like, okay, now I don't like you. If you've just watched two episodes, that's fine. So, the thing is, look, it has Shinmina. I can't possibly hate it. But True. the thing is, the, the setup is pretty slow. They're taking their time with the setup. And I can see it and I appreciate it. I know that this is going to pay off later. Because it's important for me to understand how and why he chooses to do what he does in the next episode. I know what happens in the next episode. So, ha. <laughs> Now, um, <laughs> I bet you've already read all the recaps. <laughs> I, I, I have read some of them. Because so I mean, bad. Yeah, the same, but not, not like the last one, just the third or the fourth episodes. <gasps> so, see, I have, to, I have to read a bit ahead so that I don't have to subject myself to watching like an hour long episode to decide if I want to stick with something. I can just read like a 10 minute recap and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to watch the next episode. So. I do that sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will be able to talk about this next month. So okay. we like hang on to that. Uh, I do want to mention Father is Strange. So that's what basically took up my uh, the last few weeks for me. It was Father, Father is Strange and I'm Not a Robot. Because, uh, well, yeah, I, I can't. If it's not currently airing, I can't stop myself from uh, watching the entire thing if I'm into mm. it. So, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, father. That. Yeah, father is strange. Was awesome, and like Pharma was texting me randomly, oh, like as she was watching episodes. She was like, "Oh my god, this has happened!" And she was sending me like screenshots, and I was like, "Yes, I agree." <laughs> I'm so we'll talk about that in our next uh, in depth. Yeah, it was like I, I one day I was watching uh, episode twenty, and the next day I'm texting Alisa about episode thirty-two, and she's like, "Wow!" Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah, and then like two days later, she was on forty-seven or something. I was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> Are you working? Are you alive? <laughs> Are you eating? So, How much coffee was, have you been drinking? A lot. That's I'm, just, I'm slightly you horrified. Know what I was doing, guys. I was, I was working for an hour. So this is what happens when you work from home. You 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 can do this kind of crazy stuff. I was working for an hour, watching an episode for an hour, then working for an hour, watching. It was. That's I was very, look. I I was very organized That's about actually my watching. Okay? Extremely disciplined. How did you do yeah. that? How did you not just watch 20 in a row? What I was working on was really boring. This was my treat to myself. If I finish one hour, then I get to watch one hour of Father's Street. It's like the whole, whole, if I study for five minutes, I get a three-hour break. (laughs) Yeah, I'm impressed that the amount of time is actually equal. Yeah, I I don't know how I did it, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Okay, uh, so we have a movie to talk about uh, this week, uh, yeah. this month, yeah, which is Midnight Runners, which has Park <laughs> Seo-joon and Kang Hyun, and I've been wanting to watch this so badly. How how is it? Um, it's okay. really, it's good. It's it's funny oh, and yeah. romantic, and that's like my my three word review for that: mm. funny and romantic. Is this but, the one where they're like um, bros together? The, so like, they're, they're, they're police academy. Days. 
they're police academy rookies. They like they get into police oh. academy together, and then they're like uh, you know they become friends. And they're yes, just, they're I saw such... the trailer for this in the big screen when I went to see Taxi Driver. It was awesome. I was like, I was so excited when I was they watching have it. Really good chemistry, and they're just nice. they're funny and. It's not like um, f- uh, I don't really watch like I don't watch films anymore. Ever since I started watching K dramas, films did stop doing it for me. And so, in the last five or six years, I've watched maybe five or six new films. Um, and Midnight Midnight Runners um, is the most recent one. But just before this, sort of while uh, I'm not a robot, halfway through I'm not a robot. I also watched another one called Blind, which uh, Yusunga did a younger, a much younger Yusunga did. It oh, I remember when that came out. It, 2011 film. So it was mm. a while back, uh, and. I found that film really sort of dark, like unrelentingly dark and brutal. And I'm not in the market for brutal stuff. Violence isn't my thing. So when I started Midnight Runners, I was like, um, I was a little bit apprehensive because I was worried it would be like gritty and, you know, bleak and painful. Mm. And it's not. It's just, it's really, it's a, it's a caper, uh, kind of sort nice. of, you know, a, all of those words they use, a caper, a romp, and all of that. Um, but there is, like, it has a serious undertone, um, which really grounds it. But just the humor is great. The, you know, the, the brotherhood is really, it's, you know, it, you, you're watching it for these two. And they totally Does it take it. a tragic turn in the third act? I just need to know that before I start. <laughs> no. They're like okay, they, they're investigating a crime, which is pretty horrific, but it doesn't get too graphic for you. It leaves a lot of it for your imagination. It's pretty horrible. Like the crime that they eventually uncover is pretty horrible, but um, it doesn't dwell on it. It just you know it dwells on them trying to sort of the choices that they have to make um, and how they work together and it's just it's really good. Like on every level, it's really good. Really enjoyed it. Oh, I'm excited to watch it. Watch it, watch it. Is a fighter here again, right? Yeah, I he thought that was really and... entertaining because it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Even his muscles that he has left over. I actually lunch. thought that. I think that's like it was a really good sort of the casting wise, the timing wise of that. It's like he'd come straight off fight my way and gone straight into this sort of you know again very physical role. That was yeah, good. Maintain the have, gym routine. <laughs> yeah, and then you had uh, <laughs> Kang Hanel, who's just like a you know glasses wearing nerd. Not that there's anything wrong with being a nerd or wearing glasses. I am both. Uh, did I tell I, you I've I joined the? My eyes off him. If possible, looks harder with glasses. How is this? How is this happening? He's just such an idiot. It's so funny. Both of them are so clueless about life. It's hilarious. They're like they're like little boys, um, you know, in the bodies of grown men. <laughs> That's, just that's remembering what I scenes also, did you guys uh, catch a trailer of The Villainous? It came out last year. I yeah. was actually going to mention that I had seen the trailer of that at the same time. It looks very interesting. And I love the, the camera work in it. And if, yeah. if nothing else, I'm just going to watch it for that. But I thought of something else. So you have, um, what's this girl's name? What's Katniss's name, the actress? Oh, Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah. Right, I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, so you have Jennifer Lawrence's Red Sparrow coming out sometime this year, right? Uh, so I saw the trailer to that. She's supposed to be this Russian woman who sort of gets like uh, coerced into becoming a spy and then now something happens. But the thing is with villainous, you have this assassin who gets coerced into working for the government and then 
sort of they sick her onto people and she goes and kills for them so the premise might be different aside, aside from the fact that there are female assassins doing assassiny things but mm. it just the way the uh, see i just watched the trailers of both right but it's the treatment of the material on the one hand you have um, lawrence's red sparrow which correct me if i'm wrong but i see way too much like the the trailer shows way too much of her being a femme fatale whereas here the it's still a female assassin and she disguises herself in different <coughs> ways but it's more about her competence as an assassin so i see this is one of the reasons i've started preferring korean dramas and korean movies more and more um because they don't usually objectify their uh, female leads at least you know it's it's much more about how capable they are and all of that but you know maybe maybe i shouldn't be drawing these conclusions from this because it's perfectly possible that red sparrow is more of a psychological thing than um mm. the villainess is so maybe you know maybe that's not a comparison that should be made but it just it's just one of the things i'm not i don't want to watch red sparrow after watching yeah. that but i really want to watch the villains so that yeah, that's like- all i want to say about it I didn't watch the Red Sparrow trailer, but I did watch the Villainous trailer. I know what you mean. Like, she just looks cool. She doesn't look like, you know, a sexy lady with a gun. She just looks like a scary killer who can end you. And it doesn't really matter that she's a woman, except from, a, like, a character perspective. Which, yeah. And I kind of understand what you mean about, like, Korean dramas. I don't watch that many Korean movies, so I don't know if it's the same. But, like, Korean dramas are not as, like, male-gazy as American TV and movies. mostly they're written by women, right? <laughs> right. It's interesting though because they're usually directed by men, hmm. but they're usually written, written by women and I find it interesting that even though the directors are usually men, we still kind of get that. And I so feel like I, part of it is also that uh dramas are written mostly for women generally. <laughs> I have noticed that about dramas and when I really noticed it is when I watched a few episodes of Entourage last year, like the Korean version. and i noticed how over the top they were being about like they would just have these random shots where like there's like a you know they have their story or whatever and then they'll have these scenes where there's just they go to a swimming pool at like some random celebrity's house and there's all these scantily clad women around the pool and like it's it's a very over the, it's like a, one of those like MTV club scenes where everyone's dancing and it's like the water is splashing on slow motion and like It's yeah. it's very yeah it's a little bit like Fast and Furious kind of like it's it was so and I was like this is weird I don't I'm not and then I was like oh I'm not used to seeing this kind of thing in my Korean dramas because you just don't really get it so it is that and like you you know that um most like uh Korean dramas are made for like mostly edgemas like that's the main audience right so whereas the conventional wisdom especially in hollywood is like men are the ones who buy the tickets and they're the ones who we make movies for like it's changing but in general that's been the the case but do they so. really think that most korean dramas are watched by ajumas because how many ajumas do they have in korea it, it's a <laughs> it's a huge industry no but i mean the, the, the conventional wisdom is that the ajumas control the remote control especially you know at home when they're watching especially like that's why um the 
weekend dramas have really high ratings and the morning dramas, you know, like the ones where like women are at home and they, yeah. yeah. And like, I don't know if it's actually true, but the stereotype is that the housewives are the ones who really I, watch the most. I really want to go off on a tangent about how that's the stereotype in India as well. And that's why the quality of the serials that you have, uh, that go on for like 200, 300, maybe mm-hmm. 500 episodes. Uh, <laughs> really, really low. My God, it's yeah. it's terrible. But the thing is, um, you have now the the major uh, TV channels here, the television shows that they were doing, they were geared towards housewives watching. And mind you, the husbands were also watching, but they would never admit it. Yeah, I I, I have proof from my own house. I've seen how my grandfather would sit and watch my grandma. <laughs> But the uh, thing is that as soon as the, the digital viewing experience started getting popular here, not just Netflix, but you know the, the uh, apps, you have uh, sites like mm-hmm. Hotstar and uh, you have All Balaji, you have these websites and these apps coming up where they host web series and you also have YouTube. You have so many different ways of watching TV shows now that don't have to be those, yeah, the Makjang stuff that's really geared towards the lowest common denominator and yeah. that the, the storytelling is improving by leaps and bounds like you have writers finally have freedom to create content that is watchable and that is such such a relief to me because I just I had just stopped watching Indian TV shows completely and then in the last year suddenly thanks to web series, I started seeing so many now it's I mean the the filmmaking has to catch up like the techniques mm. have to get, catch up but the directors have to get better at uh, translating the scripts into shows and all of that stuff yeah but you know it's happening and it's really exciting that it's happening so yeah there is there and is it, that yeah and it's interesting that you know like I don't watch a lot of American TV but if you talk to people who do and who like write about American TV and who like work as critics and stuff they're saying the same thing that TV because of the same kind of phenomenon of like it's moving away from the major networks and onto mm. like, you know, HBO and Netflix and places where they have more creative freedom and like all the talented writers and directors are leaving uh, TV and also leaving Hollywood and saying like, let's make these, you know, prestige, you know, like one season of whatever, something with a huge budget on Netflix where we can have whatever freedom we want to write whatever we, stories we want. And it's a lot more diversity um, in those stories. and there's better roles for women and like there's like movie actresses that are doing that oh are my movie God, to TV. Yeah. you know like big little lies was really big here last year um i haven't watched it yet but i heard it was amazing and that's like a show with, with amazing cast of really famous um movie stars female movie stars did you guys watch santa clarita diet it had drew barrymore in it and i think it was like the best thing last year like, it, it was it was so good. Oh, hey, you're watching uh, I Zombie, right, uh, Saya? Yeah. Right. I so haven't heard of either of these shows. Oh, so oh okay, my God. I Zombie. Rob Thomas, who wrote Veronica Mars, uh, wrote directed. Which one did he do? Wrote. Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, Wait, whichever one. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. I think he wrote and directed. Okay. So um, uh, Rob Thomas is behind I Zombie as well. So that's like the immediate draw. This is the guy who wrote Veronica Mars. We have to watch the show. Um, so I watched the first two seasons a uh, while back, and I've been putting off watching the third, so I'm in the middle of, of catching up on that now. It's pretty good. Okay, okay so you have to watch Santa Clarita Diet. I promise you, 
you will okay so i'll just give you like the most basic uh premise so drew barrymore is playing this housewife who just happens to wake up dead one morning she's a zombie okay and she really needs to eat two Okay. And she is married to this guy who really loves her, but like he he he's playing this hapless husband character where he's like he has to keep his wife alive, so he helps her get dead bodies to eat. Like they have oh. to steal it, they have to dig it out from from under. You know, the I'm so I I know I'm watching a zombie, but I'm so not into zombies. Is this like super zombified? I was going to say the same thing. No, 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 this is not typical zombie. I promise you, this oh, is not The Walking Dead. Ten episodes. That's not bad. So that's okay. the first season, and it's short. And you're gonna. And the thing is, it's hilarious, 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 and suddenly slightly poignant, and you don't expect the poignancy because it it is actually sad. She's dead. He's desperately trying to mm. keep her alive, but she's actually dead. So they they realize that that that's the arc of the story. The ten episode. It's hilarious the way they are going about doing it, but by the end of it, they just realize she's dead. Like, they, yeah. So it's okay. 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 Is, don't talk about it anymore. I don't want it to. Say it. I'm just saying this. There is a season two, so she's not okay. quite dead. So thank okay. you. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of The Good Place uh, in terms of you know they're dead. Yeah, it's Have on my that? The Good Place is on my list. So let's. I've heard that. that it's one of those shows where spoilers will ruin it. So let's not talk about that. But okay. maybe yeah. maybe next time we. Can I enjoyed talk about it. So if okay. I don't know if that helps, it doesn't because I have very lowbrow taste. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, that ends our. No, oh, uh, there's one more. We haven't talked we, about Mother. We have anything else? <laughs> we have, we we have still, yeah. Let's just let's oh, still have one more show. Mother, mother, <laughs> because I oh. I actually have something to say about this too. Okay, um, Sarah, you say your bit first. Okay, so this is a currently airing show. Um, it just started a couple. It's in week two, uh, or three, week three, three. Yeah, um, and Ibo Young finally is actually, you know, she's she's back and. I don't count Whisper because that was a horrible show and she was horribly underused. Like it that was the what was the other guy's name? Isangyun. Um mm-hmm. that was his show and he was horrible in it as well. It was a horrible show. We are all <laughs> going to pretend it didn't exist. Um so mother, Ibo-young is back and she's amazing. Um and the kid is amazing as well. So it starts off really dark. It's very difficult to watch in the first uh, two episodes. Um and honestly, you listen to the concept, uh, you know, the basic premise, which is not spoily, but um, Ibo Young discovers uh, she's a professor, uh, a scientist, a research scientist, an ornithologist, um, and she somehow ends up a, fi- a substitute teaching for um, a, a, a homeroom class. I don't know if I've said that right. I'm English. We don't have these things. <laughs> um <laughs> And she discovers that one of her students is being, uh, like, really horrifically abused. Um, and eventually stuff happens. She uh, she runs away with the girl. And so after that, you you know, I kind of was thinking, well, what more, can, what more plot can you milk from that? Like, how long can she stay on the run? And But it's much more complex than that. And it just, it gets more complex by the <clears> week. <throat> and it's really, like, I find it, really excite exciting not in a kind of a uh a, a dis- you know not a kind of a, i'm thrilled by kidnap and abuse but in a kind of <laughs> you know your heart is racing you don't know what's gonna right, happen next right. like i like i have no idea where the story is gonna go I have like 
I don't even know what the end point or the end game is here. That's how like unpredictable it is. So it is it's very it's heavy, but it's also it has these really poignant um moments because this is all about the relationship between her and the little girl. Yeah. Like um oh, and there's also an appearance from um you know uh, what's his name in Weightlifting Fairy uh Hyung Oppa <laughs> what's his name the doctor <laughs> Oh, oh, oh cheekbones okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. cheekbones and muscles yeah him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah he also turns up and you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a good show I definitely it is not for the faint hearted in terms of is emotionally difficult to watch, but I think it's also really enriching as it goes on. Once you pass the first two episodes, it reaches that kind of you you're removed from the abuse situation by the second by the third episode. So then it's just okay. about that relationship between Ibo Young and the uh, the young girl who I, sorry I don't know the uh, actress's name, but she's really amazing. Definitely worth watching, and not just her, but the satellite characters, like all of the people who are you know. Uh, end up being around Ibo Young's character like everyone is important and like you don't know what role they'll play or what connection they have to her and it's really just uncovering it little by little is really you know it's mm. probably the best thing I'm watching right now so this is yeah, so this is a, this has been adapted from uh, a 2010 Japanese um, that's right TV yeah. show right yeah so yeah. the thing is that I suspect now I have no way of knowing if it's true there is a series uh, it's not a series exactly uh, it's kind of like a, a duology of sorts a couple of movies that have been created uh, in India um, the first one was called Kahani and completely unrelated oh you recommended that to me years ago I haven't watched it yet should. Please watch it. <laughs> <I will. laughs> oh my God! So, the uh, Kahani Two came out a couple of years back and uh, has the same uh, lead female character, and her first name is the same. So it's not related. It's not a sequel. It just by the same creators. That's all. That's a, there, there is no other uh, sort of you know. They kept it kind of like quiet whether there, it was a sequel, what was going on, but mm-hmm. turns out that it's not really related. However, the story that this one starts with now, mind you, it's told in flashback. So, and it's it's more of a uh, a mystery uh, sort of a psychological thriller thing, and it's not done in the same way that Mother it's it has been uh, like the current show uh, is being told. So, it it I'm not saying that they took the concept from it, but there, there seems to have been a certain amount of inspiration because uh, this lead female character in Kahani. She uh, worked as a clerk in this boarding school, and she found out that one of the students uh, in one of the classes, she was being abused by her family. And through a series of events, what happens is she ends up running away with the child, and then she brings that child up as her own daughter. And then, uh, sometime later, uh, you know, gets discovered. Then, you know, people she has taken up a new identity. She is on the run. Police get involved. There is another sort of mystery aspect to it. So others, other stuff happens. But that that original premise reminded me a lot of the 2010 Mother. So you're right. It's yeah. very similar sounding. And but my I, pers- I really like how I really like how Indian movies often take inspiration from uh, South Korean movies and dramas <laughs> with no credits given whatsoever. Take inspiration. That's, a, that's one yeah. way to put it. Yeah. That, that's one way of putting. Yeah. 
But um, I I really like the writer who did uh, Kahani One, um, like the first the original Kahani, and then uh, Kahani Two was also pretty good. Like I I liked where he took the story. But uh, yeah, I would be a little disappointed if it turns out that uh, it was more than just inspiration. If he had taken more than just that 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 bit where this woman runs away with a child who was being abused. If it's more than just that, then I would be really disappointed. So, but let's see where it goes. I, I'm yeah, we don't know yet. <laughs> Interesting. And my perspective on this is that I watched the Japanese drama maybe like three years ago. Um, I actually watched it with my mother and my younger sister. And it was brilliant and amazing and transcendently gorgeous and heartbreaking. And like, it, I loved it and I never want to go through that again. So I'm not <laughs> watching this version. <laughs> I actually it's understand shorter. exactly what you yeah, mean. Yeah, it's like I think 11 episodes or something. And it's so good. Oh, my God. Um, and this seems to be doing a good job of adapting it. But I just can't. Despite my love for Eboy Young. I get you. As an aside, do you, do you guys find, I always found uh, Korean dramas, like the length, the 16 episode length, uh, like it, it's the perfect drawn out length for some, for, for us, like for audience like us who really wants to revel in the story and for characters to properly become like, I don't know, ingrained in our brains and just, you know, really bite into it. But, and it's like very far away from like the 120 minute movie structure but Japanese movies and TV shows, no, not movies, the TV shows tend to be right in the middle, somewhere around the 10 episode mark where it feels yeah. like, yeah, but it's again, it actually feels shorter Perfect. than that. Oh, does it, it? It just, it, it's it just because like, they're, I think yeah, it's because they're 40 minutes instead of an hour or an hour right. and 10 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes, you know? Uh, probably because and the storytelling like is a bit more spare as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't they, 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 they don't indulge themselves yeah. in, the, in the storytelling process the way Korean dramas do. Yeah. But there is just enough detail for you to, you know, really start mm-hmm. getting into the story and then it's ended. Yeah, so, if I had to yeah. choose, I would choose the Japanese drama length because I think it tells a better story like I think that length is it makes for a better story with less dragging out but if I had to choose my ideal it would probably be like 14 one hour episodes <laughs> which we don't usually get you know yeah kind of no, but yeah. I like that it all exists and that we, yeah. we watch Asian drama so we know that it all exists I mean imagine the poor swords who have never watched this stuff and they are just stuck with the formulaic 21 episode American TV shows or, you know... That never end and that keep going for seven years or 14 years. Um, So, have we covered all the dramas that we've been watching? I want to add one more thing, even though we've covered everything because it's uh, hilarious. My sister mm-hmm. made me start watching this yesterday because I was so beached. I was just lying on the floor with, you know, face down on the floor gurgling and she was like watch this with me <laughs> so um we were talking about japanese stuff so it's an anime uh lovely complex which originally is a manga which she's read so i she... love that show <laughs> right. it is so cute so oh my watched... gosh i think i've watched it twice we watched three episodes back to back so it's about this super tall girl and a uh, a taller than average girl and a shorter than average boy and their quest for love and of course they you know they're bickering frenemy types that they just won't like i'm at this point where it's so obvious you're watching them think oh god just date already but it's really funny <laughs> and it's really but it's the perfect it's 
Yeah, it's the perfect, like, it hits all those, like, perfect shoujo anime yeah. sweet spots. Like, and, like, sometimes you're just in the mood for, like, candy, yeah. and it just, <laughs> but it elevates the candy to a slightly higher level. It's just so enjoyable. It really is. You'll, you'll love it, yeah. When you're watching dramas and stuff, because for me, pr- my pre-drama life was anime, and um, oh, me too. My post-drama life is just like all live action. So, like in the last five or six years, I've watched maybe three or four uh, anime series that. Oh, you know what? We should yeah, do an no, anime episode one time. <laughs> we should, you know. I'll finish this and fun. I'll get back to you. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I would love to see the lovely complex concept as a k-drama like i want them to take it like say for example Lee sung kyung who's really tall and then like im Shiwan or someone who's really sort of you know small and and have that drama with them how much would you like to see that oh, i'd take it with you singer that would be really i'd take cute. it with you singer i also <laughs> want to see uh kwang su and um oh yeah he's um, the ultimate tall uh, jinju park jinju from you know oh like my god nurse- Jealousy and Carmen. Yeah. Those are like my ideal pairing because both of them I are hilarious. So much. And they would be perfect <laughs> in a rom com. They're both so like quirky and funny and they have amazing comedic timing. <laughs> and they can sell the emotions too. Like they're good yeah. actors. But can I can I have the finishing word on this? Because I've got a good joke. Yes, <laughs> So in England we have uh, a chocolate bar called a penguin bar, which is a biscuit covered in cho- a chocolate biscuit covered in chocolate. Um, and they, anyone English listening to this is already rolling their eyes. <laughs> they all come with a joke on the back, a penguin-related joke on the back. Um, so this is actually uh, not so much a joke, but I will ask you guys. What do you call 500 penguins in Trafalgar Square? Oh, what do you call them? I don't know. <laughs> Last. <laughs> what? Lost. <laughs> I still don't so get funny. it. <laughs> As in, they're, they're just lost. L-O-S-T. Yeah. 500 penguins in Trafalgar Square are lost. Oh. Why are they in Trafalgar Square? They should not be in Trafalgar Square, which is a city, <laughs> inner city square. <laughs> yes. So... Yeah, that's that a was bit, a dad joke, There's a, a bit of culture for you. <laughs> we call those dad jokes up here. I don't know that's, if you guys have that. penguin jokes. Uh, every, everywhere there are dads, there are dad jokes. Yes, I think so too. In <laughs> Korean, they call them um, ajegag, which means like an ajushi joke, which is basically a dad joke. Perfect. You see, everywhere there are dads. And that's where we are ending this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a good stopping point. <laughs> See you in the next episode, guys. Bye. 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 <laughs>that episode ran longer than we had intended but we had a lot of fun recording it so we hope you weren't bored i have a few corrections here you mentioned a drama where the assistant pd committed suicide on set that drama was uh, drinking solo i think we might have mentioned a different drama on my part i uh, may have completely forgotten that both che Subin and kim so hyun have had leading roles in other dramas before 
in case of Chase Oben uh, she's recently done Strongest Delivery Man and Rebel and Kim Soo Hyun has had several leading roles but they were as high schoolers she's done Nightmare High she's done Bring It On Ghost as well as the adorable Paige Turner if you have noticed other mistakes we have made or you have opinions about something that we have discussed please let us know comment on our YouTube page email us at starsinourpocket at gmail.com Get in touch with us on Twitter at a K Drama Podcast or individually. You find our Twitter handles in the description below. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, please consider leaving us a review because that boosts our self-esteem and helps other listeners find us. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.